It's not your fault. I know. It's not your fault. I know. No, no, you don't. It's not your fault. I know. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Don't fuck with me. Don't fuck with me, all right? Don't fuck with me, Sean. It's not your fault. It's another episode of the Spine Crackers Podcast. That's right, motherfuckers. Welcome. (laughs) Here we are. It's it's, uh, Gabe, me, Matt, and Paul. And together, we comprise Spine Crackers (laughs) LLC. I was, man, I couldn't think of a a funny Voltron joke off the, in that short amount of time. Yeah, the joke would just be that we are Voltron, though. Well, yeah, right? but it would be, I don't know, I was trying to think of a funny wordplay, like, uh-huh. I was just going to say, like, white Voltron <laughs> or something. <laughs> well, listen, that kind of rolls... You can think of a good one and just chat it to us in a half hour. <laughs> yeah, 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 I, I will, you know I it will. Works, it works with the theme a little bit. Uh, I think it does, actually, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we do make a great, uh, amazing team, and... Um, we do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's do a little some self affirmations. Got the giggles. We, yeah, a little we, bit of the giggles right well, now. We, I don't know we, why. We were, well, I know exactly why. <laughs> well, we know we why. Literally, <laughs> yeah. like cracking up before we started recording this. Um, yeah, let's. Yeah, we need some positive self talk. We're all yeah. good and mm-hmm. smart and uh, you know nice people. Yeah, warts and so. all. Yeah. When I was a kid, I had a giant wart in the bottom of my foot, and it had to be frozen off. I had, like, three of those. Yeah. It was actually really cool. It's it, kind of cool. It is kind of cool. But, like, it doesn't... Yeah. I don't know. It didn't really, like, work for me. I had to go... I had to have multiple had to, sessions. Yeah. And then when I was an adult, I had I had a couple, and I had to buy... Like, you can buy, like, do it at, at home kits for wart freezing oh. now. I didn't know that. I, uh... Actually, that kind of pertains to the word I chose as my Scrabble word. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, don't spoil enough. it. Don't spoil it. But, but remember that, and then bring it back at the end. The smarter listeners may have a guess, and isn't that a fun game to play with in your minds while we continue to discuss today's book? We're just teasing you. 
Yeah. Sexually. <laughs> oh, God. Mm. <laughs> Here, we go. the theme. That's Here, maybe. Here we go. Maybe. Here we go. Depending on whether or not that's what you, you know, maybe that's been the, the case the whole time. Every episode you've listened to. Here devout, we go, people. Devoutly. <laughs> it's because our ASMR voice voices. That's right. This is Paul's Pick. Paul's Pick. This music is distracting. Yeah, yeah, It's like yeah. way louder can, for me. You can cut it. Yeah. What have you, you done? What have you chosen? Oh, uh, I chose <laughs> The Appointment by Katharina Valkmer. How are you guys saying it in your head? Katharina. I was saying with a hard T. Yeah, Katharina. Katharina Valkmer. Vol- yeah, that's Vol- what I said. <laughs> you said Katharina. Th- yeah. Yeah. Catherine. Wrong, Catherine probably. Volman. Catherine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. This is a relatively uh, newer novel taking published in twenty twenty. Yeah, debut yeah. novel yes. published in twenty twenty. The uh, she's a German author who's I guess living in in London. Sort mm-hmm. of like the char- sort of like the character in the book. Yeah, she's born the same year as me. Yeah, crazy. That's part of the reason why I chose it. I wanted to pick something that was. I mean, we've only had like one other millennial author on the show, and I just want sometimes I just like in. to. Yeah, l- I want to get luster? it in. I want to give people chances. So that was okay. kind of my off-the-shelf pick for I this one, that. and to maybe troll Matt a little bit. Did this just catch your eye in the bookstore, or were you like n- did a little prior research? Um, and well, like, this is what I why is it a troll for Matt? Yeah. First I, of all, just, yeah, actually, you what guys, the hell, it, it, you guys are you guys are such your your trolling of each other is so simple. Old book troll Paul, new book troll Matt. That's basically <laughs> that is, all it is. That is that really, yeah, that is the dynamic. That is yeah. all it is. Oh, this book is was written uh, last year. I'm gonna troll Matt with it. Yeah. It's <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's not true, but it's pretty base. Like base. no, I love like, David well, Diop book, so disproven. True. Yes, yeah. that's true. I, but some, you know, I'm just sticking to my guns. And sometimes simple is simple is best, you know. Yeah. But no, the story of me finding it is uh, I saw it on uh, one of my favorite artists' Instagram stories. They just had it in their story, and they were like, "This is my favorite book ever." And I was like, "Well, Damn. I like your art, and I'll give it a shot." So that's you basically. Shout, you want to shout out the artist at all? I do, but I don't remember who it was. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay, that's the only acceptable way. I follow not a lot to say of people. It. I just don't know. I can't remember. Also, you know, Paul has Paul's an artist and has an Instagram. Do you want to shout out your own art Instagram, Paul? Yeah, plug something, dude. I will at some point. I'm not right now. Just right now is a great opportunity L- because yes, we're literally be talking about an art Instagram. No, I, where, if you subscribe to ask, our Patreon in our Discord, about it. I Discard? will tell the Discordians. All right, the Discordians. The Discord. I guess that's behind the paywall. <laughs> That Paul is a, trying to be a public figure and it's behind a paywall. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know if that's the best strategy for you, Paul, but it's, yeah. your, it's your life. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe I want my life to be separated into compartments. Yeah. Yeah. That's hey. Yeah. A lot of people do that. That's fine. Yeah. This character does, did it, I guess. Right. I yeah. Don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm okay. So, so hard to say. So speaking of this, char- <laughs> <laughs> speaking of this character. Yeah, we got to rein ourselves in here. We got to put ourselves in a pen. Yeah, we're being bad um, right now. Uh, yeah, we're being naughty. But yeah, speaking of this character, um, what I guess we should talk about what the book's about. Uh, I, I I will just say, you know, it's not really. Uh, there's uh, many opportunities that we probably should have done something like this in the past, but I, for whatever reason, I feel obligated to say that 
from this point out, there's going to be, uh, <laughs> I don't know, graphic discussions of uh, uh, the Holocaust and potential anti-Semitism and various uh, sorts of perversions related uh, there, too. <laughs> and, uh, you sex know, and Hitler are gonna be mixed. Yeah, we're going to be talking about sex and and, you know, transgressive sex and Hitler. And they're going to be talked about together. So uh, if that's, you know, whatever. This is what you call a trigger warning. Classic. Yes, there you go. Classic. Classic trigger warning. Great, that's a great job, Gabe. I do think we should probably talk about, maybe in the Patreon, like the, this because I feel like this is probably the first book that we've read that like counts as one of the, as like a transgressive fiction, which who knows what that category means. Um, but yeah, that might I have be, no idea what that means. I know. Well, maybe we should talk about it later. Anyway, what's okay. this book about, Paul? Yeah, give us the rundown. This book it's like a stream of consciousness book, no chapter breaks, just like one long stream of of the main character who is unnamed, just kind of talking to her gynecologist while she's on the what would you call it the operating, not operating table, but like well, gynecologist well, yeah, position. There's a big question mark it's, it's, there it's, with that. I don't think so. It's a sort of bait and switch, I think. But anyway, that maybe. I think it's a. I think it's a gynecologist for sure. We'll we'll talk about it. We'll yeah, talk yeah, about it. It's not. Okay, it is, but uh, it's. Not, it, I mean, it's not. All right, fine. Fuck it. Spoilers. She's she's getting a consultation for gender transition surgery. She's getting a phalloplasty from a gynecologist, though, right? I, it, that's not the right term. I don't know what the. I don't know what the oh, right term okay. is. Well, I don't know. I don't know what the right term is, but yeah, it's like a plastic surgeon. Okay. Well, either way, it's like a doctor. Let's just. Let's a doctor. Yeah. Yes. I mean, yes, true. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what would I? What would I say? It's a, it's a, I'm just I, I thought you were hinting at that it was like her just, father, or like there was no, some deeper no, no. meaning or something. No, That's why I was so you know, opposed to I, it. I just think it'd be funny to just be like, uh, well, there, she's at a consultation with her uh, oncologist, and it's actually a dentist. It's like well, that's a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Got you. I just I'm don't sorry. think it's that big of a deal. Well, it, I, I do. I think it's it's a big deal for this book specifically. Okay. Fine. <laughs> go um, on. Go on. Okay. Well, it's based. What would I say that it is? It's like a, almost like a confession, or just like a a play, but not play by play walkthrough. But like she she's talking to this doctor about her sexual desires, her upbringing, her relationship with her ex boyfriend Kay, and her former psychiatrist Jason. She talks about her mother, and it's just like. It just feels very confessional. It feels very vulnerable. The writing is um, very graphic, very funny. Um, but overall, I would just say it's like a, a very vulnerable monologue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's by a millennial I, writer. I think that's exactly what it is. And it, yeah, I cheers, mean, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I think stream of consciousness is the right. I mean, because the 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 doctor never speaks, right? Doctor Seligman is his name. Although, yeah, yes. although there are moments where it's implied that she's responding to a question that he's asked or something like that, but we never actually hear him speak. We only hear the there's hints that maybe he's smiling. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, stuff like that. So we get like glimpses reacting. of his reactions, but never actually like the explicit descriptions thereof. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an extended monologue. Uh wherein the 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 main character kind of you know probes different 
you know, like forbidden and kind of transgressive boundaries and lines of what's, you know, what's appropriate, like what, what, what's within the limits of possibility and what's within and she's also kind of abusing the uh, patient doctor confidentiality mm. agreement mm. in order to feel safe enough to 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 say these things i didn't really think Which of that is also just i didn't funny. really think of that, that i didn't think about that's that either. yeah that's kind of hilarious to me that <laughs> some would do yeah that. like <laughs> it's still like it's still like bounded within like a formal sort of like rule i f- i think that like allows her to feel there's some sort of safety catch there. <laughs> yeah. And I think yeah. it's, it, I, I think it's also interesting because, because I hadn't really considered that dimension of it, Matt, like the, the doctor patient confidentiality sort of situation, creating a, like an artificial space of comfort or Therapy whatever. Almost. Yeah, yeah. Right. Because well, and I think I, that's where I was going to go with it. Cause I think it's interesting because the opening of the story uh, uh, and, and like throughout she references um, the the ther- the like actual therapist the psychotherapist that she had to Jason go- Jason who she had Jason. to go to because she threatened to kill one of her coworkers with a stapler um, right which you know we could talk about the the precipitating events of that uh, at some point but when she talks about Jason she's um, uh, like goes out of I, I I guess we don't really know this character's pronouns, right? Maybe we should just go with they, because it's that's true. It's not clear. What it seems like they are, you know, male identifying basically. Yeah, right. Because that's the they're prepping for the uh, transition sh- surgery, um, but that's never con- like it's never confirmed. So I just I think I'm just gonna I'll just go with they for the sake of ease. Sure. But um, so they talk a lot about how they would lie to Jason to like kind of gauge his level of like comfort in various situations. So one of the sort of things that they discuss, that they talk to Dr. Seligman about talking to Jason about is so like the big thing is that, that, you know, important background details that this is like the author, someone who's originally German and now living in England, in London. And so they're talking to Jason about, all of these elaborate sexual fantasies they have about Hitler. Yes. Um, sort of towards the, the beginning of the, of the story um, and kind of gauging his reactions to, you know, pushing those kinds of extreme boundaries. Uh, and Jason by, you know, the narrator's account does not handle it particularly well. Right. Yeah. 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 He's, he's, he seems to represent a kind of um, like the, that 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 negative portrayal of most therapists and psychotherapists of, of sort of being like gatekeepers of normalcy and kind of just like the agents of mediocrity. Right. Like right. The, the people that are that are here to just be like, why don't you chill out and why don't you just like why can't you be more like these other people and like just be normal and everything's good and like fall, you kind of fall in line type of thing, which which I think that's the. The function Jason serves, and also even like I feel like it was a sort of interesting commentary on like I forget what the example was, but the narrator talks about when they start switching to like other kind of more um, common or like acceptable forms of like perversion or weird fantasies. He's he gets a lot more comfortable, and he's like, ah, this I could talk about. Like yeah. I can't I can't talk about you like wanting to fuck Hitler. But, uh, right. you know, I'm happy to talk about you, um, 
you know, uh, like tailing this woman around or whatever, which is another thing that happens. Right. That happens to also be though when he. Oh, I don't know. That, that's when well, he gets more. Yeah, no, yeah he, that's when he yeah. gets more nervous. I feel like there like, was. I feel like there was an in between example. I can that's escaping me. I think part of like the the commentary seemed a bit to be like, no, Jason's actually pretty chill with um. With like extremely fucked up shit going on in, within the mind, you know that's his purview and that's what he's there to try and mitigate. But as soon as she starts talking about like enacting certain of her or their beliefs or whatever, it's it's like yeah that that's when that's when Jason gets gets freaked out and he's like okay well let's not stalk people, let's not start you know blowing people in public bathrooms that are married and all this kind of shit. That's when he's like, when doesn't like re- really real know world how to deal consequences. With right. Yeah. And I think that's the very essence of like the main characters, uh, you know, kind of like statement or struggle in the, within the real world as like a unfortunately embodied individual is to be like, Hey, listen, the only, this is how I prove that, you know, it's not all just like figment and whatever, right. or, you know, at least partially. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I, I mean, it's hard to know kind of where to like, because there's so much the, the the thematic sort of scope of the book is pretty wide. There's a lot of different like Paul said, there's a lot of talk about family relations. There's a lot of talk about, um, you know, gender and gender identity. There's a lot of talk about national identity. Someone who as a German sort of coping with uh, the legacy of the Holocaust and the way that that's handled in German culture um, and and then it's just interspersed with all of these just absurdly like like vulgar kind of just you know there's a there isn't there is there a line about like a dildo made out of like the hair of like Holocaust victims or something like that or like <laughs> yeah or maybe or, or, or it was, like it was wrapped horse in hair? one oh yeah it was horse hair but it was from it was like horse a, hair yeah, yeah. so uh, clearly like uh, attempting to provoke uh, but but dealing with these, I don't know, serious fucking th- topics. Yeah, the, yeah. Book, the book starts with the the Hitler stuff. She's like, or they're like, uh, you know, uh, I. It tries to grab you right with this initial like, this is what we're dealing with. This is the, you know, and what's more, what's more, gripping and edgy than Hitler? And it's just like. Uh, I I imagine myself as Hitler delivering my little speeches, but then it immediately dives into the identity stuff of like, and I imagine being insecure about the fact that I didn't look like the people I was describing as the master race and and, uh, how as I advocated for for genocide and pogroms, I myself was like dealing with insecurities about who I was. Right. You know, that's kind of like the first like extended chunk in the first page or two. So, uh, yeah. (laughs) So here's a, a... Here's here's a representative passage from the beginning, and I and I kind of want to. Um, it's just like a page, but I I, I do kind of want to. This what is page page, is page three, four onto the top of five. Um, just because I want to get like give people a sense of the way the book is written and some of these examples. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't want to say that I felt sorry for Hitler. And it's still not acceptable to wipe out an entire civilization because you feel unhappy in your body and because they represent what you hate about yourself. But it did make me think about his private life, Hitler's every day. Have you ever thought about the Fuhrer in in his pajamas, Dr. Seligman, waking up with messy hair, stumbling across the room looking for his slippers? I'm sure some sad person has written a book about his domestic life, but I much prefer to imagine it myself. 
books but only find a way to make it dull. I can see the swastika-themed bedsheets, the matching pajamas, everything down in his breakfast bowl. I saw those once in Poland in one of those weird antique shops entirely dedicated to the memorabilia of their tormentors, where they were selling bowls and plates with tiny swastikas at the bottom. It almost felt like some sort of perverted Barbie universe where if you saved long enough, you could buy a whole new life, shiny and matching. I could even imagine little TV spots with a well-oiled Hitler doll on one of those glittering horses, saving a good German woman from the hands of some leering Jew riding off into the sunset, the race protected and safe. Savvy as they were, when it came to the media, I think the Nazis really missed out on a marketing opportunity there. Imagine all the fun little German children could have with something like a Lego concentration camp called Freudenstadt. Build your own oven, organize your own deportations, and don't forget to conquer enough Lebensraum. (laughs) (laughs) They could have gone for an adult line. Aside from all the gloves and lampshades made from skin, they could have had horse-themed butt plugs made from real enemy hair. Oh, okay, real enemy hair. Yeah, (laughs) but I guess that ship has sailed now. I don't mean to offend you, Dr. Seligman, especially now that you have your head between my legs, but don't you think there's something kinky about genocide? (laughs) <laughs> and i feel like that's sort of like the, the the missions like one of the mission statements of the book that's right at the beginning um yeah just sort of you know again like putting it right in your face that like all right this is this is where we're going yeah yeah it's 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 difficult to talk about like i mean because there, there are so many themes and because the narrator is like going through uh sexual reassignment surgery you can't just look at it from like the perspective that i originally took because you don't kind of find that out till like later on in the book but it just it, right. at first i was just thinking that it seems to be just like a very powerful like anti-patriarchal sexual thing for for women just like say say like the darkest deepest sexually weird thing possible from a woman's perspective even you know it's not but whatever but um paul's like i know exactly what that is (laughs) the darkest deepest thing possible (laughs) but i mean i think that's part of the reason why it could come across as being so graphic is like if you know the author is a woman and it's like it, it i think that that shows a lot about how you are as a reader too is like would it be as shocking if it was written by a man? And and I think that's partially her point is that like, mm-hmm. you know, it's trying to be edgy and gruff, but is it more edgy and gruff and graphic because it was not written by a man? Yeah. And, and well, and I think that there's a pretty obvious, like, um, you know, contrast text, right. Which is Philip Roth's Portnoy's complaint, which is a very similar, uh, like sexually explicit uh, kind of, you know, shock, shock value novel, which is also told via a monologue, right? Right. To a therapist. To a therapist. Yeah. yeah. So like that seems to me to be the obvious sort of reference point um, in the history of literature. What was that book? Like late 60s, 70s or something like that? I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I'll, you know. I'll look it up. It was definitely shocking, uh, you know, when, right. uh, when it came out. Yeah, yeah, and the the person that uh, you 60, know. 69, which is a nice year for Portland. Oh, okay, for <laughs> to come out, <laughs> pretty sick. Uh, yeah, I've actually never read that book though. I don't. I don't have you? I, I, no, I haven't actually read the the book, but I I, I know the the conceit. You know. 
Yeah, and I think the other the other person that um, Katarina herself was like kind of influenced by deeply, and I imagine many German writers like now, uh, one of these figures that looms large uh, was Bernhardt, Thomas Bernhardt. Mm-hmm. Who we she talks about Bernhardt in a couple interviews, doesn't she? Yeah, and um, and like I, fuck, I forget which books she was specifically talking about, but anyway, you know the the kind of being being bound up in the mind of a one character and 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 subjected basically to this concentrated monologue where you're kind of suffocated by this person's often pretty like negative and sometimes perverted and and just disturbed but maybe not you know kind of brain and, well and of course the other like major thematic connection to Bernhardt is that Bernhardt deeply despised his home country of Austria. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like that, you know, we talked about that when we talked about uh, correction when we did our episode on that book. And that's also a theme in this book. It's, you know, I, I don't think it's, nece- it's not as um, th- the narrator's feelings towards Germany are not as caustic as Bernhard gets towards Austria. I don't think quite, um, but it's, it's I don't know. know. They're pretty not. They're pretty not happy. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's true. She even described herself like like I guess Bernhard got called uh, something in German. I can't remember the name. It's like, but it was like nest besmircher, like, like you know, bird that fouls the nest from which it was issued and all that kind of stuff. It has a fun German word like yeah. uh, neust you know noise smirch or something like that i can't do it yeah. i wish That's i could some guess. of the some of the the the, uh, the obscenities in german are really fun i wish oh, i could yeah. remember more there are a couple in here yeah well and i think so you know re- like just thinking through the the bernhard connection a little bit more obviously like the the feelings of the narrator towards germany are very sort of um you're right, Matt. Like it is, it is pretty, uh, pretty negative in terms of specifically the way that Germany has sort of. Um, and I know nothing about contemporary German culture. That's just a sidebar uh, for me. But that uh, the way that they have handled the legacy of the Holocaust, right, and the the way that they teach it, the way they think about Jewish people in their day to day life, and. I don't know. I thought it was really fascinating to read Volkmer's take on those issues. Yeah. That was the first like overarching question that I had was like, how, how, because I, you know, the press around this book was, you know, that initially didn't have a a German publisher and that it was too, it was too shocking and too, uh, you know, scandalous to be that, that the German publishers wouldn't touch it. And then I saw some critiques where like, maybe this was a, a, kind of a more of a PR stunt uh that just oh, really? no, no one really liked it <laughs> and wanted to publish it and whatever and it, it I don't know I didn't I wasn't able to like parse that but I was you know overarchingly just curious um cuz you know I imagine it is some you know some sort of silence some lacuna in in, in a general like sort of self-understanding of Germany like it must be like that makes sense to me that that's true, but yeah, like what that feels like and how that manifests culturally and in, in art and stuff, I don't know. Right, and I think like the the main sort of um, thrust of the narrator's critique, as far as I read it, was that it, it it's sort of become a 
you know, obviously there's a ton of national guilt and that manifests in, you know, things like curriculum in public schools and, and, um, you know, things like that. I think, I think she relates one, um, anecdote where they like had to learn some song in, in Hebrew or Yiddish or something and sing, <laughs> yeah. and sing it in school. Right. Um, but but the, the argument of the narrator is that that creates this figure of, you know, quote unquote, the Jew, like capital, capital T, capital J, that actually winds up hampering their ability to, like, interact with actual Jewish people in their day to day lives. And, like, you know, one of the things that she says or uh, that they say at some point when they're talking to Dr. Seligman is that, like, uh, OK, here I, I found this this passage Um so this is on uh, 21. But even today, Dr. Seligman, for a German, a living Jew is quite an excitement, something that no one prepared us for when we were growing up. We were only used to dead or miserable Jews staring at us from endless gray photographs or from somewhere far away in exile, never smiling and us forever in their debt. And our one way of making it up to you was by turning you into magical creatures with fairy dust coming out of every hole, with superior intellects, curious names, and infinitely more interesting biographies. Uh, in our imagination, no Jew could ever be a cab driver, and there was even a page in my theology book dedicated to famous Jews. And this is the part that I just referenced. And in our music classes, we had to sing Hava Nagila in Hebrew, Dr. Seligman. 30 German children and not a single Jew in sight, and we sang in Hebrew to make sure that we remained denazified and full of respect. But we never mourned. If anything, we performed a new version of ourselves, hysterically non-racist in any direction and negating difference wherever possible. Yeah. I Part of me was like, because obviously that, that sounds very similar. There's, there's parallels in the U.S., right, of like racial sensitivity training, implicit bias training or subconscious bias training, all this yep. kind of stuff, the kind of hysterical uh, non-racism or whatever. Um which in and of itself ends up backfiring in a weird way. But, like, I, I, I have to take Volkner's word for it, right? Doesn't it seem kind of – Does it? I don't know. Something about that was, like, is that really true? That, like, that the same vibes go on for, like, uh, just Jewish people? They're that identifiable and, like, I don't know. I guess I, it's true, but – No, I mean, yeah, I think you're right. Like, I really I really don't don't know how to – kind of evaluate it in terms of like a, a, a picture of contemporary German society, right? Because I just I don't live there. I have no idea. Um, Someone please, yeah, if you if there's any if there's a if there's podcast, a, German <laughs> listeners. if there's a German denazification podcast out there. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Or or ger yeah, German history podcast. More yeah, maybe that's better. Pedagogy. German contemporary pedagogy. I don't fucking know. If if many different podcasts could converge to give us a full spectrum view <laughs> yeah, of German culture right, right yeah. now, that would be so That'd nice. Be, that would be perfect. But then you know, of course, like this, this the, the the sort of apotheosis of this towards the end of the book is where she starts. You know, because Seligman is Jewish, and she starts talking about how like the the kind of like uh, irony or confluence of him giving giving to the narrator a Jewish cock, which right. is a phrase that appears a lot in the, in the latter quarter of the book. It was going to be in the title and then was removed. Yes, right. I did read that. Well, what was the like, title going to be? Like like uh, the appointment story of a Jewish cock or something like that. Yeah, that was like the original title. That was like the original title. Yeah. 
and they removed it, much like the force the, the the you know the foreskin that could have been. Oh, thank you, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. We need more. Uh, I know that was the first one, dude. We got the soundboard up. Yeah, and, I uh, forgot until just now. <laughs> <laughs> You're on the ones and twos over there, dude. Uh, yeah, uh, I I found it strange that you know the the main character like they were delivering. It, the complicating factor is them delivering it to kind of the the bowed head of a Jewish doctor. Yes. Who you never get to hear from at any point and is still kind of a uh, an absence in their presence or whatever, which felt like a, a complicating critique of the main character's own ability to also, even in this confessional manner and trying to be the most themselves and the most revealed, literally like, genitals on display saying their deepest recessed secrets and all this kind of shit still like this person doesn't speak this person is kind of getting it sort of just piled on them as like a victim in a way is it is is the narrator trauma dumping yeah i that's my question <laughs> and i think they are that's a good i think it's a good question and i mean i think you the way you put it is so accurate that seligman is this this shaping absent present throughout the whole thing and yeah paul what do you think is the narrator trauma dumping on poor i don't totally know what that means but it's is funny uh, okay and i kind of get it just because it i i understand the words yeah but what does it mean (laughs) just like you know you uh you 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 find someone who's like a good interlocutor say or, or a good recipient rather for all of your woes be and you know well yeah yeah I, yeah oh, just because and partially, i kind of do oh yeah sorry go ahead. Go ahead. finish finish your finish your thoughts i just mean i, I feel like trying to trauma dumping whatever it's like usually it then goes into the emotional labor category of of the other offense and like right it's somebody it's somebody who either has to kind of sit there and take it or is for whatever reason captured or 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 a mark for that kind of thing who is like just willing to you know sit there and listen yeah i mean i i think that seligman represents like not only a personal like like connection with her she she feels really comfortable around him seeming we don't totally know if he feels comfortable around her or not (laughs) you know because he kind of just has to like do his job or whatever or they i'm sorry i keep misgendering but um I don't think, I think it's, it's actually like a, clear. By the way, it, I didn't think it was clear either. either. No, it, it, yeah. it's it's not. So I, I was just yeah. going with the. But I think it, like it's a it's like a societal catharsis for her too. She looks at, uh, Seligman. I keep saying Segelman in my head. Which, uh, I know it's Seligman. <laughs> um, but she she looks at him as like a um, just like someone who she can point to societally, if that makes sense. Like. He's almost like a societal an avatar, vessel. yeah. Avatar, yeah. So it, there's like there's comfort there and, in well, him, yeah. And, and of course, like the other kind of dimension to it, just talking about Seligman a little bit, is that for the narrator, he also represents sort of, um, you know, the the sort of traditional gendered life experience that the narrator was never able to have so there's a lot of discussion about all the pictures of seligman's family that he has on the desk that the narrator can see right 
Yeah. Um, was there a numer- numerological significance to seven, the seven frames? I, I don't know. Cause there was I never this... followed up on that myself. No, I, I didn't either because that's that's highlighted like a number of times. Yeah. Um, because it's like his wife and then like six children or something, right? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if that means anything. I mean, I know it, I know it has like a religious connotation, but, you know. You would know that. yeah um but (laughs) no 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 i'm looking up i'm looking i just typed in seven in nazi and it says hitler's own seven dwarfs Um, oh is that that uh, the actual snow white movie you gonna follow up on that anyway nope i'm just reading headlines (laughs) over here Um, no, I thought maybe there would be like some sort of you know definitive answer to like maybe a connection between the Nazi regime and, and number seven. But yeah, but yeah, I wasn't sure because I, it it was brought up a lot. But I mean, it just, you know, just in, as a general matter, like it seems to me that that Seligman again sort of occupies this um, you know ethereal kind of fantastical creature role, both as a Jew for the narrator as a German person, but also as a sort of, you know, cis man for the narrator as a, a trans person, right? Like it, it's, it's these, these floating, you know, ideals, both like obviously very differently constructed historically. Um, yeah. I don't know. Does that make any sense? The narrator's literally just trying to create like almost a photographic negative of themselves. Like they're just mm. trying to invert every aspect not every, but you know, like the, the the ones that they regard as important, um, right? Like uh, gender, and then like, I guess religious minority affiliation. I, you know, I don't know. The number seven also, do, I just looked up. Does uh, in numerology sort of generally represent the quest for knowledge, which I think actually works mm. in the themes here. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So, so I, I I found a passage. I, I, yeah, go ahead, Paul. I also think that like it, it, it's you know it's kind of not it's kind of hinted at that there's not like the narrator is a little bit I would say envious of the ease in which Seligman has been able to live and not worry about all the things that the narrator has had to worry about like you know wanting to have a penis you know I, I love the scene where um like the father is in bed. And the covers are pulled down, or he exposes himself, or whatever. And the narrator slept, like slept in the buff. Yeah, it's kind of a creepy scene, but the narrator like kind of. They don't say that they're envious. They just or like attracted sexually or anything. You kind of think that that that's where the scene is going. It's more just like they, they just have a realization like I want one of those, <laughs> and they think they can go to like a store and buy one. It's like really. Yes. It's really funny. But I mean, that's one of the strengths of the book, though, is that it puts you in the mind of someone who is potentially trans anyway. And like the struggle between not really feeling like they're in their correct body, you know, that's just like a it's a very straightforward and vulnerable and uh, depiction of that, which I think is very useful to it, read. Yeah. As, as a single or not single uh cis white men also single 
<laughs> yeah, don't, I you, can, you can put that in there. It's, it's one, one pixel clearer resolution. Image that was a Freudian here. slip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, yeah I, 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 I guess we, we we might also flag at this point, just because you kind of brought it up, Paul, that that the author Volkmer is. I I could not find any information online about whether the Volkmer herself is trans or not. I, I don't believe so. Um, so just whatever, take that for, for what it, what it's worth. Yeah. If, if anything, as yeah. of now, March 22nd, 2022, we don't know the answer to that question. We don't know. <laughs> no. Um, but I, I, I have a couple passages that I want passages that I wanted to read just on the, uh, the topic again of, of the way the narrator sort of constructs Seligman in relation to themselves. Um, so this is on 30 to 31, um, <clears throat> And she's talking about Seligman's wife. Is that her in the picture over there on your desk? Or is that your mother, Dr. Seligman? With some men, it's hard to tell who their heart belongs to. But I imagine you are one of those happily married men with iron pajamas who can never imagine not being happy. And plus, you are a member of a heavily persecuted minority, so I'm sure you have lots of children. They are your form of rebellion. I get that. It must have been such a triumph for you to get your wife pregnant and think of all the people who tried to not make this possible. So in a way, you are like me, and think of Hitler when you orgasm. <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> right. oh my god! <laughs> and that was one of those moments where I'm like, okay, the main character is is probably projecting incredibly hard. Yeah. And like, yeah. I, okay, I, I, I wanted think to show you, I I, I you circled this thing. entire page. Yeah, same. <laughs> it is super funny, and I felt like it was such a a good representation of that. What I what I anyway what I interpreted as like a projection on their part, like uh, because I feel like another one of these things that sort of you know one of the few actually unspoken things about this book is like uh, <laughs> is uh, there's not a lot is is that tension between what is like the point of what is or first of all what is the point of um, this extent of confession what is the point of keeping wounds fresh which is part of the whole like holocaust history thing in germany and like and like uh you know like like how does your own personal history like when is it useful to put to bear on people in order to like main to keep them aware of human potential and also human failure and when is it just this uh this this kind of unfair imposition that helps neither you nor the person you're communicating to you know like when is communication and all this kind of identity revelation stuff uh i felt like you know not uh not necessarily helpful or just on you and not really on another 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 identity that you're yes. sort of trying to to con commune with so, so the other passage that I wanted to read, just because I think it follows up on that point pretty well, Matt, is that, you know, the, the, the what? Play I the made the Chewbacca again? sound, but oh, uh, it wasn't really loud or clear. <laughs> <laughs> um, turn my speaker up a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So the other passage where I think like that question of projection and sort of like, like fairness, th this is one of the, the, the instances where I thought it became like most clear. Um, and the various constructions of Seligman throughout the narrator's kind of d like discourse. This is on 36 to the top of 37. 
I wish I could see the other frames on your desk from here. Seven, I think. <laughs> was that? Oh shit! Sorry, I was, I was testing. I was testing when I thought I muted myself. <laughs> oh my god! I'm I was sorry. Like, I, was, I was like, I, just def- <laughs> I was I like, was that testing. is not Chewbacca. You're playing. I really thought Com- I had myself muted. I'm sorry. That's that's Ken Long from Community. I know that. Oh, was it? Yeah. Uh, God. Uh, okay. 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 So, um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Gabe. Read your. No, note. it's it's good. Uh, let's see. Okay. I wish I could see the other frames on your desk from here. Seven, I think. I am sure they contain pictures of your children and maybe even your grandchildren. I imagine that you got married when you were quite young and that your children followed your good example and always ironed their clothes and that you have regular family gatherings where you're all very loving and happy, where even the occasional tragedy is part of the narrative. Would you forgive me if I was your child, Dr. Seligman? And I feel like that's really like where that kind of like projective break happens, where she directly addresses him and asks him, like, would you forgive me if I was your child? Like, 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 obviously creating this this image of Seligman in contrast to her own parents who we haven't really talked about yet maybe in the Patreon and and her grandfather who which who who plays a very important late role uh in the yeah, story yeah a little little quick reveal suddenly yeah yeah their parents don't i don't know like overbearing mom kind of uh detached father i i, I actually didn't get too much from from them there wasn't there was a weird to me. It felt like there was a weird lack of uh, of kind of um, plumbing the depths of of the family and uh, like. I feel her, like we get a bit about the mom, but not so much the father. Yeah. yeah, like a disappointed and overbearing mother who is like seemed to emphasize a kind of like particular old fashioned feminine archetype that she was just implanting on her daughter. Yeah, but there, I mean, there, in the uh, in the book that Gabe and I have um and there's like an uh interview segment and Volkmar talks about like how she hopes people pick up on the relationship between the mother and daughter in the book because she she actually thinks of the mother-daughter relationship as being like heavily domineered by father figures and like especially you know we're the same age as her and mothers that that are our, you know, our mother's ages, they have like something in the, in their personalities that were developed and, you know, bombarded by father type figures that made him a certain way. And like, I, I think that actually is pretty interesting to me is that like the, the relationships between mothers and daughters can be a little bit tainted and disrupted by society. And that's like, well, particularly by tragic. yeah, like like you were said, you, like you said earlier on, like at like talking about like the some of the big the big themes, like feminism and like the patriarchy's, I guess, um, influence on women's self perception and identity, and how that warping factor echoes through the ages. You know, to to the mm-hmm. point where you have this uh, this main character who's like transitioning to be male. And that's part of yeah. like the confusion is like, you know, I would say one of the gen- one of the big question marks is like, is this a I don't know if this is a spicy take, but like, is this a like genuine like desired like sexual reassignment for like a trans person or is this a symbolic gesture like 
I think I, I think that is actually a question mark that is intentionally there I, and I, not just like a novel about like a trans person. I think you're totally right, Matt. And I think the the thing that really brought that question home to me is and I think it is a question, but I but I think part of what brought that that idea uh, into the fore for me is at the end where she talks about her um, like stillborn brother. Right. Mm-hmm. Who. Yeah. She ultimately winds up taking the name of what? Emil. Is that Emil? Right? Emil. Yeah. Elliot. Emil. I don't. <laughs> Elliot. I really thought it was Elliot. Oh, Emil boy. sounds more correct. Um, and it's Emil. And she she goes Emil, okay. into a lot of like like phenomenological detail about feeling like. <laughs> <laughs> Take it away. Take it away from Paul. <laughs> oh, no. He's too powerful. Yeah, he's too strong. His power level's over 9,000 right now. Um, but but she goes into a lot of phenomenological detail about how she, f- you know, they feel that their, um, like, new life that they're gaining from this surgery is, they view it as like a reincarnation of their brother. They're like never born brother. And that taking his name is a way of giving him a, a life that, that he was never able to have. And there's a, there's an elaborate backstory with this about her, the, their grandparents and um, a church and this weird little church machine, like a little (laughs) coin operated, like forgiveness machine that has Jesus like come out on a little, like thing and do a little dance and like you're, yeah. you're forgiven or whatever. It's a really, <laughs> yeah. really funny, uh, you know, little backstory, but I felt like that was a very, very interesting way to frame this, this whole experience that the narrator is undergoing as like the, the reincarnation of a never born, you know, man, brother. Yeah. I think it's just an, it, yeah. I, I think it's another instance of, um, memory because i i think that the the novel like scales between the individual and their own you know struggle to to create an identity and 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 all the uh you know what is a useful struggle what is a uh what 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 are you bounded by by fate and by circumstance and by biology and all this kind of shit and then it scales up from the individual to you know an entity like a, a nation state uh, and the commonalities between those two are not, but I think that the, one of the commonalities is just memory, right? Cause it's comprised of people with memories and how they deal with memories and how that uh, manifests into an identity, uh, the continuity of those memories. So yeah. like a, a dead brother and like being both. Uh, yeah. That's like the individual, it seems version of that same idea of like a tragedy or death on a mass scale yeah and i also for a nation yeah yeah for sure and i also think that like what you said about um and we're rapidly approaching the hour here so we may have to save we may have to save some of this discussion we haven't even talked about k we haven't talked about we haven't talked about uh her uh her uh a uh, Holocaust train operating grandfather. Um, so plenty more to talk about after the, the jump here. Um, but the, what I just wanted to say on that point, Matt, was 
you know, I think at the end of the day, you talked about the scaling up of identity, like from the individual to something like a nation state. It seems to me that like one of the central questions that this book is asking or engaging with is about what what aspects of our our identities are malleable and changeable and which ones are not because right. a, a Volkmer goes to you know mentions a number of times or has the narrator mentioned that like you know I'm German I can never change that that's always part of my identity and my background while at the same time undergoing or beginning the process of undergoing this procedure that is changing another very important aspect of their identity, right? Gender. Right. And so it's like this, like national identity and gender identity are set almost at like two ends of a spectrum. One, which is sort of immutable and untouchable. And one, which is, you know, at, at the very least more malleable, um, well, it feels it feels like uh, trying to separate the dichotomy, the the you know, Nazi dichotomy of blood and soil. Oh shit! Yeah, that's a that's interesting. Right, like blood and soil. Be- <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, that was good. All right, that was good. Paul gets to keep the soundboard. Was that the only good one up to, until this point? No, no they no, no. really are a great comical yeah. device. Yeah. Okay. But they have to learn but- the board, you know. Yeah, I just really got become it before one the, with the before this episode. I just it's, got it. So. It's like playing an instrument, really. It yeah. is really resistance is futile. Become one. Uh, I feel like a DJ. But yeah, that whatever. Like that synonymous kind of phrase, that fascistic kind of phrase is. Uh, I feel like th- there is an attempt to pry those apart in a way. Yeah, I know. I think that's totally. Uh, a, 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 an important like dynamic of the reading of this book. I mean, of course, the other half of that, though, is that there are aspects of the the blood half that you can't change. For example, your parents, your parents, and your your you know um, familial relations. Um, and I think that that's something that the narrator feels very acutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, as we said, there's a lot of stuff we haven't talked about. We haven't talked about K. There's a, a couple more passages that I want to read because I, I also just want to say that there are moments of like really beautiful writing in this and really kind of like it, it's not all just like vulgar jokes or, or like, you know, whatever. No. Which yeah. I think is a lot of the passages that we've read so far. So anyway, we'll, we'll get to all of that uh, in the second half of the show, which you can find at patreon.com slash spinecrackers uh, mm-hmm. for as little as uh, two bones a month. You can uh, subscribe to that, hear the full discussions, and be um, uh, be able to join in the discussion on our Discord, which is... Use your inherited Nazi gold, even, That's to right. purchase That's a subscription. We don't ask questions. <laughs> Use your crypto-Nazi currency. Yeah. Yeah, totally. No, no, all, all currency is accepted. Um and uh yeah that's great we i we have a lot of other videos and stuff up there i just put up a video yesterday about blood meridian uh which speaking of fascists uh just kidding just kidding shout out to my bm fans yeah gabe uh, is 30 percent kidding yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. a correct percentage yeah yeah, yeah it's about 30 percent yeah yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I like I actually like being a little bit late. It You're getting into the groove. Happier. You're getting into no, the groove. No, this is good. I yeah. can feel you settling in. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> uh, so again, uh, patreon.com slash spinecrackers. So 
with uh, a few minutes left here before the hour, we need to move into. Let's 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 uh, blitzkrieg through this. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna try to do the song. That was that was. Funny. Ah, so what house is this motherfucker in? <laughs> Here's one thing I can say. Hitler was a Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate Voldemort of our time. Uh, no one knows yeah. what we're actually doing yet. We okay. didn't describe sorry, the... Uh, sorry. Take it away, Paul. Uh, well, this is the part of the show where we... Um, so, this is the best part because we love talking about Harry Potter and we can finally do it and we can sort the characters in the novel into Harry Potter houses. And it's called We Just Did Read Another Book, Motherfuckers. Deal with it. Yeah. Deal with All it. All right. Uh, so I think there's, I don't know, there's only a few characters probably that we can do. The narrator. Can we probably, can we really? Seligman, no. I don't, I don't think, think Seligman uh, can be. Yeah, I don't think K, we can do probably. K, who we haven't talked about at all yet. That's going to have to wait. Um, so maybe just, let's just do the main character then. And yeah. Maybe K can be a surprise in the next half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to K's house later, who is the romantic interest uh, in the novel, or the ex-romantic interest. All right, so mm. let's get into this. Narrator, what, what fucking house does this person go in? <laughs> this is actually one of the most difficult ones, right? Yeah, this is... Uh, it's, it's always interesting when like a stream of consciousness style novel is actually really difficult to, to house someone. Cause it's like you're, you're only getting their direct voice, but I walked away thinking like I have no idea. Well, you know why? Yeah. Because we've yeah. been given, we've been given uh, in a way, the, the, the full spectrum of a person's character in a lot of ways. And so it's kind of every house, isn't it? Oh, shit. Don't shatter the illusion. <laughs> the the contrivance of the houses. I'm sorry. Mind blown. I'm going to go ahead and say... Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say Ravenclaw. Because I feel like amongst all of the, the profundity and also just sort of like perversion and dreck... There's like a, a a a genuine curiousness and a kind of interrogative confrontational spirit there, which I identify as as uh, I identify <laughs> as uh, Ravenclaw. Yeah, I think that's actually I think that's pretty persuasive. Uh, you know, the 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 sort of dialogic sort of I, uh, approach of the narrator although of course like you know it's not really a dialogue it's it's a monologue which i don't know what i don't know what the house alignments of dialogue and monologue are but <laughs> you know and a question for another time yeah maybe. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah i am I'm, I'm inclined to say uh ravenclaw myself because this is a person who's interested in kind of analyzing people analyzing society um analyzing themselves trying to gain you know some sense of truth in their identity in their day-to-day life um, right so yeah to me that's the ravenclaw i think paul's muted paul you're muted sorry sorry i was testing my soundboard while i was listening okay. um i'm gonna go with gryffindor because yep. i think it takes a gryffindor to uh Suck off, suck cocks of random strangers, <laughs> basically. True, which does happen. I, yeah, you gotta be I, fucking is... brave to do that shit. <laughs> so on that, that fact alone, I'm going straight Gryffindor. All right. 
That's fair. And, and, her, and uh, great Gryffindors can be wildly curious, as we know, if, if you've read Harry Potter and you know the character of Hermione. <laughs> yeah. True, true, true. Hermione is super smart and curious. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, all right. Well, I think that was a productive discourse. Um, let's talk about the Scrabble words that we found in this book, which are the words that were either new to us or uh, interesting um, or that just would be good for Scrabble. Paul, you have one? My word, I'm not totally sure if my word is um, a real word, but I picked it because <laughs> it's um, it's Dude, also it's, named it's, it's one of my book. favorite. It has to be a real word. Well, I think it might be an, a proper noun. That, it's uh, it's it's Shlomo, which is also one of my favorite artists, musical artists. It's a um, name, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, it, we'll it's, it. it's in the Urban Dictionary. Someone who is really lazy usually describes someone who is chilling at home, wearing pajamas all day, being really slow and every with everything. So it's like weird. It's entering into maybe actual. Like a slang uh, term. Vocabulary. Mm. It's a slang term at, as it is, but it's also a proper noun. But. And yeah, it's a common, common Jewish name, right? Or maybe not nice. su- super common anymore. But. S-H-L-O-M-O, right? S-C-H-L-O-M-O. Oh, there's a C. Okay. All right, Matt, what's yours? Mine was Veruca, which is why I said uh, the, the wart thing. What? What does that mean? Like Veruca Salt from, from Charlie Mother and Wonka? the Chocolate Factory. Well, yeah. well, that's that's the joke of her name. Is her name is literally Wart Salt. A Veruca is a planter wart. Oh shit! I it's like no another idea. name for a planter's wart, um, or you know, just some sort of like unbidden wart-like growth. Veruca, V-E-R-U-C-A. Nice a, letters. Uh, yeah. So yeah, Veruca Salt was a is a joke about that she's a nasty wart. You learn something new every day. I had no idea. See, I'm so happy to have that done either. that for everybody. Oh, thank you. Uh, so my word thank- was uh, hoopo, H O O P O E, which mm. apparently is a type of like brightly plumed uh, bird. Nice. And yeah, that's it. Sounds cute. Yeah, it's in the context she's describing her her mother. Um, yeah. All right. All right. That le- that only that leaves only one thing. Dips not. Dips not. Okay, fine. So this is the segment where we give the book a final score evaluation out of five. Um, so you know, my experience with this book, I think already we've talked like just the the discussion we've had so far points to the fact that there are a lot of very sort of. Um, it's wide ranging thematically and there's a lot of stuff and, and sort of depth there to plumb. Um, and as I said, a lot of which we haven't even sort of touched on yet, but I started reading it and I was sort of thinking like, this is really funny. All of these like Hitler references. Not that I think Hitler references are automatically <laughs> yeah, funny. Okay. Gabe. Yeah. Not that I think Hitler references are automatically funny, but the way that it's deployed in the context of the characters is are uh, artful and I thought, uh, you know, whatever. Throughout the book, there were moments where it started to wear thin for me, um, that the the jokes were not quite hitting anymore. Um, you know, anytime you do a stream of conscious monologue, it, it seems to me that the the demands that that places on you as a writer are very high. Um, and I'm not entirely sure that Volkmer rose to to the to that that particular occasion fully, um, in terms of keeping the tenor, keeping the the, the humor, 
keeping the sort of thematic resonance. Um, I do think she brought it home at the end, more or less. I think some of my favorite passages at the book are towards the end. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the passage about her grandfather that we'll talk about. I thought the whole couple pages about the, the snow falling in the Arctic was a really, like, lovely metaphor that yeah. I, I want to read later. Um, so it, I, I feel like it kind of sagged for me, maybe, in the middle a bit, where the joke started to wear thin and it wasn't quite hitting the same way um but then it came back for me at the end um i think this is a book that uh i i i think people should read this book i'll put it that way it's it's something that may not sound up your alley but given what we've discussed but i don't know it kind of creeps up on you it'll make you laugh in ways that you never expected and might feel ashamed of laughing uh at afterwards um but I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I think that I, I look forward to what Volkmer does in the future. Uh, I think it's like a it's like a three point one seven for me. All right. Um, yeah, I, I'll just echo. I'll just say ditto to some of the stuff Gabe said, especially, you know, about it. It kind of creeping up on you and, and some striking some striking passages, especially in like humorous ones, for the most part, were the were the strongest ones for me. Again, it started to wear thin and be somewhat unenjoyable. Uh, I do think that some of the more beautiful imagery with the snow and all that was was reserved for the end. It, very small portion of the novel, though, uh, and one that didn't feel entirely earned or in place uh i i i didn't really enjoy this novel uh i, I thought it was kind My trolling of, has worked yeah paul got me <laughs> with the fart noise <laughs> <laughs> paul did get me i i mean like it's like we we can have a good discussion and i and i and i like talking about the book right now um, it's because we're amazing geniuses. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's white the, male I think amazing geniuses. It's obviously, <laughs> it's obviously <laughs> Volkmer's doing that. This has been inspired, um, but by and large, a lot of these like connections felt a little confused and uh, sort of more gestured at than like robustly interrogated. And there was so much potential here that I, I felt was just kind of like not realized and. There is a lot of sophomoric uh, and pretty banal and edgy observations about like society and how it's shitty and and all this kind of stuff that I just like. It just made me roll my eyes and uh, and you know, I, I I I'm gonna have to give it a, a, a you know a two a two point probably a two point six. I'm I'm going to jump in here and downgrade my score slightly because I think I was overlooking obviously because we didn't read them or talk about them but there are a lot of eye rolling moments there are a lot of very like kind of like I'll read some I'll read one for the Patreon okay. segment but some, yeah some it, some sigh inducing like undergrad level uh stuff that I that just I, like we're all liars and we're contradicting ourselves and yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know it's so like So I'm I'm I'm, down, I'm downgrading to a flat 3 Okay nice 2.6 for me 
Yeah, I, I mean, I got to appreciate her. This is her first no- novel, and it's like... It, 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 to me, I was kind of having callbacks to John Darnielle and Universal Harvester. I just feel like someone's first attempt at something. That, that's not his and, first novel, but... Oh, it's not. But I just... Okay, well, shame on him. Um, <laughs> not, on, not on me. I'm a perfect person. Shame on him. Yeah. Um, but I think one thing that really lacked for me with this with this novel was just like... I, I, it, it, like uh, Universal Harvester, I just feel like it needed more depth. There needed to be something else subjectively going on. Um, and I, there is a lot going on like interpersonally, but I, I just feel like the... For for um, the stream of consciousness thing to work, there has to be m- many more layers. Like I'm, like a uh, sleep has his house. I would say is kind of stream of consciousness, but it's like so out there, and there's so much to it that it really works as a novel. Like to me, I am, I almost read this read this more as a monologue than a novel. Um. Just on that point, because I thought of it, I think at the end, in the end interview that's included in this book, Vol- Volkmer goes out of her way to say that she thought of it as like a stage thing almost when she was yeah, writing it. Yeah, she and wants like was it to in, be like be on stage. Influenced by the, the theater in, in a lot of ways, yeah. Yeah. But that being said, it is still presented as a novel. It's in, it's in a book form. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. I found, I found it really funny. I found her potential of writing a good novel to be there for sure. Not that I didn't like this. I did like it, but I, I, I found it, you know, the sexual stuff I didn't find too out there cause I'm such a perverted human being. So I was just mostly just laughing at it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, overall I would say it lacked other layers that I would like to see in a full fledged novel. Um, so that's my biggest criticism. There are like the kind of quippy um, millennial fiction writer type jokes that and th- there's, you know, the only the only other one we can compare it to really is Luster. And there was like so many more in Luster. Like uh, there's only a few, I would say, in this one. Um, but I, I do I do want like every writer to not do that <laughs> for the most part, you know. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, overall, I'm, I would be very apt to read more of hers if she decides to read more or write more um i think it's definitely worth reading especially i think it's actually worth reading for people of our age even maybe or younger or i don't know maybe that's kind of a weird statement but i I I just feel like it is worth reading in our society just like read it get some get some get a different perspective where we live a different human being you know we live in one. So a society. All right, I'll stop talking. Three point <laughs> five. All right. Nice. All right. All right. Well, uh, as as has already been alluded to, uh, we got more to say about this book after the jump, second half of the show. Patrons only. Join the club. Come on. It's worth it. It's fun. What what should we call it? We should call it something. Like everyone's got like a you know. Like what? Like the Mickey Mouse Club, you know what I mean? Like the Spine Gang. <laughs> spine Gang. No, we gotta we gotta make it sound. People are paying to get in. We gotta we gotta make it sound like luxurious. Mm. The Champagne Room. Come come you know, into something come, like that. Come into Doctor Seligman's velvet office. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Patreon.com/slash Spinecrackers. Uh, 
Instagram, Spinecrackers, Twitter, Spinecrackers, Facebook, Spinecrackers. And for those who paid, we'll see you in the VIP lounge. That's right, baby. Yeah.